You're listening to the Coffee and Clergy Podcast. I'm Pastor Scott, and we're glad that you're joining us today. You can watch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Thursday mornings, or you can check us out in audio format wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Good morning and welcome to Coffee and Clergy. I'm Pastor Doug Chinberg. I'm Pastor Scott Pitch, and we're back. We've been on a hiatus for about a month, uh, and we're back in uh, a new series. This series is going to be called Speak the Truth in Love, where we talk about how we're uh, called as Christians to defend the Christian worldview. Um, but we're going to talk about the dynamic of speaking that truth of the Christian worldview, but doing so uh, not out of a place of arrogance or uh, dominance, but rather doing so out of humility and with love and respect in our heart for those we're speaking with. So welcome you back. If this is your first time with us, we're very glad to have you uh, join us. If it's if you're a uh, uh, return guest, we're, we're also very glad to have you come back and join us for this new discussion. For six weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, this topic, uh, but we're going to expand it out to what some of those hard truths are that we have to talk about uh, in this world um, that's increasingly becoming antagonistic to the Word of God and how we as Christians are to navigate those sort of perilous waters. So maybe before we begin, we can open with a prayer okay. and then we can get into our discussion. So please join me in prayer. God, I thank you for this time together. We thank you for calling us by your Holy Spirit to take some time alone with you uh, in discussion through your word, uh, understanding and hearing all of the truth that you have to tell us. We know, God, that you command us to speak your word, to trust in you, uh, to advance the cause of the gospel by sharing our lives and your truth with others. Help us to do so out of love and respect for our neighbor, having compassion for them, As we enter into this discussion, Lord, help us to have a great discussion, open our minds and our hearts to hear and receive the things that you have to tell us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. 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 So we're going to start in a very general way. Today, This our first session is uh, just kind of to put in the framework, I guess, of what our next follow-up sessions will be. And so, again, to give us the right heart and mind as we talk about difficult issues with our neighbors, uh, we're going to talk um, about how we can uh, have these dialogues in a very diverse world. We have people that come from uh, not only all walks of life and different cultures, uh, they have different faiths, different beliefs. Here in America, there are um, it, we can even get strange ideas, not just in America, but around the world. But uh, we do find some strange ones here in America as well. Yeah. And so we want to start off just, again, in a, in a very basic way and answer the question, what is a truth claim? Mm-hmm. So, so my sort of basic definition for this is it's something that a person who has a worldview puts forward um, that is not necessarily self-evident. So if I say the sky is blue... That wouldn't necessarily be a truth claim because it's very easily um, put to the test, right? I would say a truth claim is more something that you put out into the world um, a- as a part of your worldview and you say, this is the way it is and this is the truth. Um, and it allows people to take that snippet of information that you've shared and try and put it to the test to verify if it's true or not. Um, so Christians have certain truth claims like, Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. He's the Lord of heaven and earth, right? So that's not something that's, that's necessarily readily self-evident for people all around the world. Um, it's something that they have to hear about. It's a truth claim that we say, and then they have to sort of wrestle with it and decide based on the evidence available, does that make sense? So yeah. uh, all different worldviews share things which are truth claims. Um, and, and a lot of times what is often regarded as um, absolute certainty in our society today is more less absolute certainty and more a truth claim, which uh, is still um, in need of evidence to support uh, whether or not it's an actual certified fact. So, yeah. And there, there are some truth claims that are very specific. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. There are other truth claims that are a part of a, a, a system or a body of belief. Yes. And so when we look at, at that truth claim, how does it fit within that body of faith? Um, how is it understood? How is all the parts connected to each other? Uh, that's one of the interesting and wonderful things about Christianity. We have a number of truth claims, but they're all interrelated. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, as you look at scripture, they can be, some of them can be tested more easily than others. And there's some that we have to confess that are taken just by faith. Yeah. And this is where the, the interwoven nature of the system works is like, you know, if, if you just presented to me the fact that some, some random guy was standing on the street and a chariot of fire took him up into heaven, I'd be like, okay. But I would like to see you, that one. Yeah. But when you weave it together with thousands of other truth claims that some are, are more far-fetched, some are very grounded, but when you, when you see that they're all interrelated, they all point to the same person, if you want to put it that way, or the same uh, core belief or core system of beliefs, um, you start to see, like, I can believe that a guy was taken up in a chariot of fire up into heaven because I believe a thousand other things, which I'm convinced of. And the same guy who told me those truth claims also told me that one. Yeah. So that's sort of where you, uh, where truth claims operate is they, they operate not necessarily or primarily in, in a vacuum or by themselves, but in, a, in an interworked system. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, one question is, how can Christians effectively engage in dialogue about truth claims with non-Christians while maintaining that, that spirit of, of love and respect for others? Yeah, I think that's really the sort of a, a question that sums up what we're going to talk about today. So as a way of introducing the topic, let's talk about this. We, we are called to stand on, on the truth, right? And we know that if you ask the question, what is truth? That's the question that, that uh, Pontius Pilate asked Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what is truth is, is not an easy um, question to, to answer. But what you could say is Jesus, what Jesus says about himself. He says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we know we have to turn um, to Jesus to know the truth. Now, we, we, we have a system of beliefs as Christians that are based on that central premise that Jesus is the truth. And so what he tells us is true. The things that he says we put forth as truth claims. So we're called to stand on those truths, but we're also called to love our neighbors. So what do we do in an instance where the things that we claim to be true are offensive to s- someone who's a hearer? Uh, of those truth claims. Yeah. And that's sort of what we're, the tension that we're living that's in. Can, that can be a challenge. There, there are things, uh, you know, we look at the world and there are debate clubs and there are some rules and guidelines that are given that, that help those debates and discussions um, stay within an orderly form. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, for example, there's no name calling yeah. to someone else. It's, you can't, it can't turn into a shouting match. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there are some common rules that, that may be helpful. Um, but uh, uh, another one that I'm aware of is that sometimes when we get in a discussion or debate with others, sometimes we think that we're pitted against them. And the person that we're talking with really isn't the enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person that we're talking with is actually someone that we would like to convince them of the truth yeah. that we find in God's word. So it goes from being the enemy to kind of the, the mission objective. Yes. Think about it that way, right? Is yeah. that you're not looking at someone who's, whose job it is for you to try to conquer or destroy or overcome, but rather you're looking at someone who's, who is the literal reason why you're there to talk yeah. to him right now. That's your purpose. That's why, right. you're, why right. you're doing this. And the, so the debate is not, it, it's not a debate in that one person wins and another person loses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but rather the, the issue at question, uh, it's, it's helpful to remember that the issue at question is uh, the thing that we're, we're trying to look at and understand and, and be reasonable about. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and, and that's one of the interesting things about the Christian faith. I believe that it is reasonable mm-hmm. when you look at the entire doctrine of Scripture um, while there are things that may not make sense to us as we talk about the Trinity, like we did this past Sunday, or, um, or miracles. Um, but uh, again, to, uh, to begin to understand that, that all of these things fit together, and if we understand who God is and what he does, then we say, okay, because of knowing who God is, I can believe in miracles. Yeah. Because he is outside of time and space and can do all things mm-hmm. uh, by definition. And, um, but the, the issue that we're talking about, uh, that's what we want to keep as the, the main issue. And we can be harsh with the issue, 
but not with the person. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what separates Christians. Um, they might, there might be other worldviews who would try not to sort of lambast and demonize their quote-unquote enemies on the other side of an argument for, for the simple sake of trying not to appear um, antagonistic, like in a debating sense, like what you said, like to, to nullify their argument because of the emotionality. But the reason Christians do it is not because we're trying to win the argument, but because we realize that the person we're talking to is someone who God loves and who Jesus died for. Yeah. And anytime we're having a conversation with anybody, that's the case. Yeah. And so we want to treat that person with a level of respect and dignity and love that Jesus would treat them with and has already treated them with. Uh, and, and so anytime we come into a conversation with somebody, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done or what they believe, we know that to be true. Jesus loves that person and died for them. And yeah. so they're worthy of our respect and dignity. Yeah, and maybe another just uh, point of information is sometimes we think we need to change other people and we really leave that up to the Holy Spirit. We, we do want to convince them uh, uh, we do want them to believe the truth, mm -hmm. uh, but we understand that the Holy Spirit is the one that, that works on their heart and actually changes their heart and their mind. Yeah. And I would say we also do want to put forth as convincing an argument as it, as it, is, as it is within our power to put forward. Yeah. Um, so you can say like, yes, it is the power of the Holy Spirit to convert somebody, but it can be real easy to be like, here's a pamphlet, go read it on your own. I did yeah. my job, the Holy Spirit's up. It's up to you now. Yeah. It's like, no, God, God has given you certain skills and abilities, and yeah. he's called you to this moment in time in proximity to this person. Um, and guess what? You have the skills to, to have a conversation with them. And the Holy Spirit works within us. It works uh, within us. Yeah, to do and accomplish his will. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, a, what a blessing that is. Yep. And so another question, um, uh, in what ways can approaching a controversial topic um, with humility and openness contribute to the growth of our faith as well as to help lead others to Christ? Yeah. Um, in, in the history of humanity, uh, you can talk about have more people changed their mind because of carrots or because of sticks, right? Um, there are certain religious traditions who have thrived off of using sticks to drive people into a certain understanding or belief system. And there are certain denominational, or not denominational, certain religious backgrounds and understandings that have used carrots to uh, sort of draw people in. And this is kind of what I, what I think this question is, is getting at is, as Christians, we are, um, we, are, we are carrot people. We're saying, come and see. Come and see what God has done. Come and see what he's done for you. And so we don't want to enter into a conversation to try to tell someone the truth by trying to drive them into it, you know, by, by trying to use a stick to, to kind of beat them into submission so that they agree with our understanding of things. That's not, people don't respond, especially adults, don't spawn, respond well to those kinds of, kinds of things, especially uh, in our contemporary culture. People are much more apt to be attracted to carrots than to be driven yeah. by sticks. So we want to have a conversation um, that's reasonable, that's level-headed, that, that confronts the realities of the truth as we see them but also showcases the sort of magnanimity, the, the love, the, um, the respect and, and level-headedness of our argument as well. Yeah. And, and I would say, you know, is there a way that, that does God use both carrots and sticks? Because we talk about God's word mm -hmm. that is both law and gospel. The, the, the truth sometimes is very harsh. Uh, we don't want to make it more harsh than it is, but we want the truth to speak for itself. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it is the gospel that, that wins our hearts towards Christ and his word mm -hmm. and uh, helps people to change. Um, and that's something, again, that, that we don't do. The Holy Spirit changes people, but he works through us in, in, as we speak both law and gospel to people. And I would say the law and the gospel are actually both carrots. What I was referring to in, in, in my mentality wasn't the way God shares his love, whether through law or gospel, because love is, love is the carrot regardless of which way. It's good, it's good to hear the law and to hear the gospel. My, my thing was thinking about you know, uh, certain religious sects who, who converted 
nation states by conquering them with the sword and saying, you will believe this way or, or you die. will die. Yeah. Right? That, that is not the way Christians operate, and, right. and it will not be the way that, that uh, Christ's church thrives. The way it thrives is through the appeal to the Spirit to turn away from the things of the flesh and turn towards Christ. Yeah. And that's always been the case and always will be. Yeah, God's love and, and grace and mercy um, uh, are what changes our hearts, and, mm -hmm. and we value that. And uh, so another, uh, uh, talking about uh, speaking with humility and openness, we want to be able to listen to the other person, mm -hmm. uh, to understand where they're coming from, mm -hmm. and um, again, acknowledge them as uh, someone who has thought through um, uh, this difficult truth, yep. uh, however they understand it. And, um, and so uh, how can we balance our conversations and beliefs with the need for understanding and empathy yep. when discussing these challenging topics? So I think this applies even more broadly to just the way we talk with people in general, not just about truth claims related to our faith. Um, anytime we're having a conversation, we want to balance our convictions and understandings about the way the world works, but also acknowledge that we don't operate as islands, that people, even within the faith, have different understandings and perspectives on the way the world operates. And so if you're going to operate with any level of cooperation in a conversation, you, by nature, you have to have a little give and take, right? You have to um, have some empathy and some understanding for where people are coming from, even more so when you're having conversations, uh, spiritual conversations with people who are not of the same faith background as you. Yeah. You don't want to come out in those conversations and start talking about, um, you know, how wretched sin is and how um, things are, are way worse today than they used to be and things were way better back in the, in the day when the church was, you know. Those, those starting a conversation that way will not gain you ground with people who come from a different faith background. So instead, out of a, out of a, a sense of trying to gain openness in the conversation. It's better to begin by discussing what we share mutually, um, what, what we have in common what, rather than what we have uh, separate. Yeah, I think one of the ways as we talk about um, uh, understanding is that we can explain uh, the person's point of view as well as they can. I think that would show that we have a very good understanding of, of what they're saying and, and ask them, you know, is, is this, this is my understanding of what you're saying. Let me know if I'm correct or not and, and then explain it. And um, that goes a long way. I, in fact, I've, there have been people I've talked with that uh, after I've talked with them can explain my understanding to me better than I first explained it in the, in the first place. And so I know that they're listening. I know that they care about me. I know that, uh, um, uh, that they have that empathy and um, and that goes a wonderful way or a long way as we talk with others about difficult topics. Yeah, so starting off a sentence with, so help me understand, can really, you're, in, you're literally inviting someone to share their perspective. And yes. although you might, they might share things which you disagree with from a, from a truth perspective, simply allowing them and giving them the, the platform to share what they understand and believe shows that, that that you may it shows the person who's sharing those things not that you necessarily are 100 percent agreeing with everything they're saying but at least you respect them enough to let them get their ideas out there mm. and and you're seeking through empathetic means to try to to put yourself in the shoes of someone with that worldview so you can understand where they're coming from yeah. i think that uh you can you can go to that level without compromising your convictions you can get to that level of of openness and sharing ideas back and forth without conceding the the ground of truth in, a, in any conversation that you're having. Yeah, a part of the, uh, before we had talked a little bit about humility, but a part of the humility also in understanding someone else is to realize that um, people don't all, there's a lot of people, scripture tells us that, that people who are not Christian don't understand God's word. Yeah. And so we have to be aware that as we talk about God's word, and the truth that's in it, that again, it's not us that convinces them, but the Holy Spirit that convinces them that God's word is true. But 
you know, Scripture also tells us that they, they can't understand some of the things that are in God's Word just because they're um, because they don't have that faith. Yeah, and there's actually a really good uh, uh, the uh, epistle reading, or not the epistle reading, but the New Testament reading from this Sunday is the is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. It's a really great example. He's going down the road reading the scripture, but his he, he because of his uh, because he doesn't have anyone to explain it to him, meaning because the Holy Spirit has not yet revealed what what the meaning of the text is, he he can't really know it until someone shares with him what it means. Um, so then it, then it describes it this way. Oftentimes the Bible describes it this way, uh, that their eyes were opened, right? And it's like the difference between being the, seeing the world through closed eyes, which pretty much all you can see is faint you know, images of some light, maybe some shadow, but you really can't see anything at all, to opening your eyes and now all of a sudden there's all this detail, this contrast, this color. Um, it's like that for people who, who don't know Christ when they read the word, and then when they come to know Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's like their eyes are open, and all of a sudden, everything comes into into clarity, yeah. and, and it snaps in like it did for the for the Ethiopian eunuch. Yeah. So let's talk about some practical things. What are some practical ways that we can promote understanding and bridge the gap between people who are Christian and people who are not? Yeah, I think that the the first thing we can admit is that. Uh, people are more comfortable hanging out with people that are like them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how many of our um, our King of Kings members or listeners to our podcast often find themselves in situations where they're having conversations with people from other faith traditions or, or people from other ethnic backgrounds or cultural persuasions. But uh, I think allowing yourself... Um, to be in, to to enter into more conversations, more scenarios, more um, places where you can have conversations like that. I'm not saying you need to get on a plane and and fly to the you know United Arab Emirates to have conversations with Islamic people, but but there are we live in a culture that is very diverse. You just have to find yourselves in the right places, talking to the right people, and I think it takes a little intentionality. So I think that's one way from a practical standpoint is simply don't don't allow yourself to get too caught up in your own your own bubble or your own as as the popular phrase goes these days your own echo chamber where the only ideas and thoughts and interactions you're having with people who have the exact same thoughts and ideas mm-hmm. as you yeah. because that's not what Christ calls us to he doesn't call us to become kind of cloistered citadels of of similar ideas he wants us to take our our truth out into a diverse world and so i think that's where we can begin to make some upgrades up changes yeah. Yeah. yeah i look i look at my own neighborhood and i i see people that say they're christian but don't go to church i see people that uh, uh, are from the middle east i see people uh, i've got a next door neighbor that's from uh, their families from ukraine um, and so just by interacting and having a dialogue with them we have the opportunity to understand them better mm-hmm. and um, that's a wonderful place to begin is simply to be curious about other people and uh, who they are and what they believe and how they live. And um, so kind of to become a, a, a student of other people yeah. and just to, to study them and understand them. And uh, people usually appreciate when um, we begin to understand their customs and their ideas. And, but it also opens doors to, to allow that dialogue to take place. Yeah. I think another thing Christians can do, too, is when you enter into conversations about your faith with people who are not in that same understanding, is to enter into the conversation in good faith. I think a lot of times it can become readily apparent to people you're talking to if if your motives are not to have a, a clear and open conversation, but rather to try to, you know, bombard people with scripture or something like that. That, that kind of thing is, it, people can see right through that. They're, they're, especially in today's day and age, people's detectors for insincerity and, and disingen, disin, whatever the word is. Disin, ingenuity. Ingenuity, or, yeah. Disingenuous. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's really high. Um, they can detect when you're being uh, false. Not, not genuine. Not genuine. And so you <clears throat> want to approach things in good faith uh, to say, like, I, <clears throat> you know, I'm here to just talk you know and get to know yeah i have i have certain understandings of what's true i know you do too and i'm not trying to 
I'm not trying to like beat you over the head with my tr- my truths so that you can um, be on the defense. I just I'm I'm interested in you. I want to get to know you, um, and so approaching it from that perspective, I think, is a, is a good thing. Yeah. So it's not um, I'm gonna I'm gonna convince you so that you believe just like me, or I'm not gonna be a friend to you. Yeah. Um, um, or I'm not going to close you off from any other conversation, but it's, it's really how can I be a friend to this person and have ongoing dialogue yep. about what we believe. It's one of the interesting things that I've, I've heard, I've experienced it a little bit, but I know that people from other countries are much more open about talking about their faith just because it affects every aspect of their life. Mm-hmm. And so their faith and their life are one and they go together and um, how interesting and wonderful it is when we can have an honest dialogue with people and say, yes, my faith and life go together. And, and so this is how I live and why, why I live that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's almost a, a characteristic of our sort of American way of life that kind of core to the, the rights of our nation, our freedom of religion. So that, I think the way that was designed is to, to have a free expression of religion so people could free, feel free and open to share their religious life and it can be a part of who they are, kind of what, the way you just mentioned is actually more common in people who come from other parts of the world. But what's actually happened is sort of an uh, unintended consequence is that because everyone has freedom of religion, nobody talks about religion because they're afraid that by talking about it, it might offend someone else's sensibilities of their freedom to express their religion. Or, or other people tell you what you believe is just offensive to me. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, you know, it's, it, they'll go as far as saying it's hurtful and hateful and... and Intolerant and, and bigoted yeah. and, yeah. yeah. And, and so it, it, you can almost say we've gone from having freedom of religion to having freedom from religion in our country. We, yeah. we are... We are we feel entitled to be free to walk around and not have to confront the realities of religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our marketplaces, in our schools, in our public venues, and on our televisions and things, we, you, you see a world displayed that is increasingly secular where religion has no place, no voice in those areas. And uh, I would say that's a bad thing. I would agree. I would agree. Because again, the Christian faith is something that affects every aspect of our life. And uh, it's good to be able to talk about our life. And you might say, well, pastor, doesn't that mean then that every other religion will get an equal footing um, if we have more open dialogue about religion in our country? And I would say absolutely bring it on. (laughs) I'll I'll hold up my Christian faith and religion against any other um, process. To me, the, the best thing that can happen to Christianity in America is that we can open the floodgates for as many religions to express as many ideas as possible because Christian, Christianity and the Christian worldview is the, by far the most robust. It has been time-tested, it has been debated over, it has been bashed and thoroughly mangled and marled, and it's withstood the test of time. So bring it on. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we look, we look at the Bible. It's the, uh, the most popular book ever written. Um, it's been translated more than any other book. There's been more study about the Bible than any other book in the world. And uh, as you said, it, it holds a test. Mm-hmm. And, and for that, we can be thankful. Yeah. So another question, how can Christians effectively address the misconceptions or stereotypes about their faith uh, without becoming defensive or confrontational? Yeah, I think we, we hinted at the fact that sometimes the Christian worldview is seen as um, intolerant or, or bigoted or has some backward views. And this is uh, where I think the way we can kind of confront those misconceptions about our faith is to, first of all, speak in a level way. If someone's coming at you talking about how the Christian faith is, is wicked or evil or, or wrong for you know, our country or whatever, they're already approaching it with an emotional um, sort of underpinning to their discussion. Yeah. So you, you'll want to first begin by trying to diffuse that kind of emotionality, get to a reasonable, rational, level-headed, open conversation. So seeking to establish that rapport and that empathy that we talked about in the first couple of questions would be vital right off the bat. But then I think from there you can, t- you can try to showcase the core teaching of what the Christian faith has, that it's, about, um, that it's about sharing the love of God with our neighbors. And um, so anything that, that 
any any concern that someone might have or misconception that they might have about the way we say things like for example our views on um, sexual identity and and gender orientation and things like this or the way we talk about abortion or the way we talk about um, you know a, a myriad of other things might be perceived as being hateful or hurtful, by, by its very core, it is quite the opposite of that. The reason we hold these views is not because we hold hatred in our heart towards a person, but because we actually love them enough to try and prevent them from suffering the consequences of, of a life pattern which is leading someone to a, a problematic existence. Now, if someone is approaching, if you present that and someone is approaching a conversation in good faith, I think that they must confront that reality that that there are some bad eggs in the Christian batch, but the overarching premise of the Christian faith is not to cast judgment on sinners, but rather to show sin so that people will be confronted with the reality of it so that they turn to Christ out of love for them. And so if someone has good is approaching that conversation in good faith, they should at least abandon the argument that the Christian view is by its very nature hateful because it couldn't possibly be further from the truth. The whole point of Christianity is to share God's love with God's children. And so we do we may take hard stands on on truth claims that we put forward that might be in opposition to the way someone is living their life, but the reason we're doing so is not out of hate for them, but out of love. Yeah. And I think it's helpful when we enter into a dialogue, we we know our heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, you know, are we are we going in with uh, with a heart where we're saying I'm going to be argumentative? I'm going to be I'm going to you know quarrelsome. I'm even going to be hostile. Um, uh, you know, you have to know your heart, and that's not the not the reason to enter into a dialogue with someone else. Um, but again, as you mentioned, it's it's because we love them, we care for them, um, that we want to have these conversations. We want to get to know them. Uh, have them get to know us and and share. And have our, them get to know Jesus. And have them get to know Jesus. And I think absolutely. that's that's it. Like s- pointing out the path that someone is on that's leading them away from the best person they could ever know. Right. That's what we're trying to help people see is the the path you're on is leading away from the one who saved you towards a path of destruction to someone who truly hates you more than anyone else, who disdains your very being. Yeah, ties right in with our mission here at King of Kings. We want to share the heart of the king Mm -hmm. uh, so that they they know God, they love God, they know most of all that God's love for them um, and the salvation that he's won for them. Yeah. So... And so, uh, again, we're, as we're kind of digging down a little bit deeper, what, what roles does listening to the opinion of others play in promoting this loving dialogue? Uh, maybe let's start there. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, if you come to a conversation and it's not a back and forth, but rather you're using it as a platform to just put your worldview out there and your discussion out there, and then you shut off as soon as you get your ideas out there. That's not that's not approaching a conversation in good faith. That's that's simply using the conversation as a platform for trying to proselytize and convert people or something like yeah. that. Um, and that that sort of thing will not fly. It's not gonna it's not gonna change minds and hearts. Yeah. Um, when we were when we lived in Omaha, we had a next door neighbor that um, was from the Mormon Church, and it was interesting. They were very open in sharing their faith. But as soon as we started talking about our faith, they said, uh, I've got I've got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anytime we approach, I mean, so that stopped really stopped the, any dialogue from from happening um, because um, while we were open to hearing about their faith, you know, we also wanted the opportunity to talk about our faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we did that, doors would close, they would walk away, you know, and um, and that affected that whole topic of conversation yeah. um, and brought it to an end. So I, I would, I would kind of, to give a personal example, uh, the year before I moved to the seminary and started my studies to become a pastor at St. Louis, I lived in South Carolina. And in South Carolina, there's not a whole lot of Lutherans. <laughs> I'll just put that out there. <clears throat> so the nearest church, LCMS church to me, was like 45 minutes away from me. And so I would go to that church fairly regularly, but I actually took that year as an opportunity to try to uh, try to get into some places where my ideas on the Christian faith might be challenged a little bit. So I went to 
uh, uh, sort of non-denominational megachurch. I went to a Presbyterian church. I went to a Baptist church, Catholic, Episcopal, and kind of just to get an idea of, number one, the way they did worship, the sort of themes and, and ideas that they were promoting. And, and I would also try to have, if, if the opportunity presented itself, a conversation with some people about what they believed. And, and you would think, well, pastor, that's kind of dangerous. Like, what if you started believing some things which weren't in accordance with the Lutheran understanding? And, yeah, there's that. But there's also the fact that what it did is it really cemented me in the fact that the, the things which I believe that make me Lutheran. And you could say the same thing about the thing, if I were to have conversations with non-Christians about these things in good faith, the things that, that I hear from them would actually strengthen my resolve to the fact that what I believe is actually what the truth of Scripture reveals. So if you, if you never exercise those faith muscles, they won't grow, in other words, right? Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to allow yourself to go into positions with, with due caution, where you can have some conversations and, and get some ideas in that back and forth of conversations, which are not ideas which you've really wrestled with because you need to wrestle with those ideas yeah. so that way you can come out the other side and go like, you know what, I really do um, believe what I, what I believe. You know, yeah. It's not just the thing I say, it's actually what I truly believe. Yeah, we, we tell our confirmation students this all the time. We not only want you to know what you believe, but why do you believe it? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> where can you turn into God's word that... Um, uh, that points to this aspect of our faith, and that's important to do. Um, be, there's, uh, I've heard stories after stories of kids that went to college and they, they lost their faith mm-hmm. uh, because when their faith was challenged, they, they didn't know why they believed what they believed. Uh-huh. And so that's an important part of our... Uh, uh, I had written down, Scott and I were talking uh, earlier uh, before we went on air, and, and one of the passages of Scripture that I turned to was 1 Peter 3.15, and, uh, and it tells us, Peter says, he says, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord, and then he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, uh, but to do this with gentleness and respect. And so God wants us to understand why we believe what we believe, mm-hmm. uh, and to be able to give a reasonable answer. Yeah, and I think that's just a genuine human response to other ideas. Is you you want to wrestle with those ideas, but but not abandon the things that are at the core of what your understanding is. So you have convictions, you have a foundation, but you allow yourself to be. Um, put into a position where you must wrestle with ideas. And I think that's good. Yeah, God wants us, if we have questions, God wants us to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, He wants us to turn to people who may know the answers. Uh, So to pastors and teachers and and people that are mature in the faith. Mm -hmm. And, um, but he, you know, if we have legitimate questions, God says that's that's actually an important part of building your faith. Like you said, exercising those faith muscles Mm -hmm. make us stronger. And, and it's kind of an important part of, of a Christian identity and the Christian faith in general. There's not a whole lot of other um, worldviews that encourage that level of, of challenging what you believe, right? You, if you were to talk to people in the Islamic faith, they would say that kind, of, that kind of challenge to the belief system would be a thing you should not do. If you talk to people who, who grew up in the, um, the tradition of Judaism, they would say to, to stretch the boundaries and try and test, you know, God's word would be a thing which was offensive to him and things like that. But, but, but as, as Christians, with respect, we want to do this, but we want to put what God says to the test. You know, we, want to, we don't want to put God to the test, but we want to put his word to the test. We want to say, like, God says this, let's see if it's true. Yeah, it turns out it's true um, every time. Yep. And, and that's, that's good. That, that kind of um, understanding is actually conducive to the Christian faith, not harmful to it. Right. So how can we listen critically and lovingly when we become engaged in these sensitive conversations? I think that the listening part is at the core of that. Okay. Right? I think a lot of times in our conversations, we like to get into them to talk, and we don't necessarily like to get into them to listen. So that critical listening skill, that active listening skill is very important when engaging. Number one, it shows that aspect of being genuine and sincere, right? If, if a person is actively listening and responding to things that somebody else is saying, like think about this. If you ever had like a good conversation with a friend, you know they're in it, right? Because they're asking you questions about the things you're saying and they're making commentary as you go on. 
that's active listening. And if you have someone who's just standing there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, come on, get to the end of what you're saying so I can talk, that's not a, not a good way to converse with people. And it's and it's and it's actually okay to be critical with the the truth claim that you're working with, without being critical to the person mm. that you're talking with. That's and and so um, that's that's a part of let's critically look at this thing that you're saying, and uh, does it hold the test? Is it true? Um, um, and as Christians, we would compare it to the Word of God. How does it hold up to the Word of God? And um, but it, it's okay to critically look and examine the truth that's being talked about without criti- being critical of the person. Yeah, and and then taking that same idea and flipping it around, we must be open to someone tr- attempting to be critical of our truth without taking it personally, right? Yes. If someone tries to challenge the thing we put forward, we don't want to perceive their response as an attack on us if they're approaching us in a conversation in good faith. We want to say, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I'll have to think about that some more. Yeah. But don't take it personally as like they're attacking you personally. So, uh, again, to kind of push this thought a little bit further, how can we navigate these disagreements and conflicts without, uh, or d- to do it in a way that still keeps the relationship and fosters this this climate of, of trust and understanding between people. Yeah. Well, I, I think this is where you can, you can use the example of Jesus. Um, when Jesus is talking with people, he always tells the truth to them. But the thing that he has at the forefront of his mind in these conversations usually is the person and the relationship that he has with them. Um, He'll never lie to somebody for the sake of trying to preserve his relationship with them. But what he will do is he'll think about the way he's responding, and he'll respond in a way that validates their personhood and and uh, that shows that he's listening and that gives them the respect that's due. Even when he's talking to you know prostitutes and tax collectors and 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 people that are really you know in need of of salvation, he does so in such a way that 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 confirms that even though their lifestyle is sinful, they as a person are loved by God. And that's what drew all these people to Jesus, is he treated them like humans when so many others did not. Yeah, some of Jesus' harshest words were for were people who said that they were strong in the faith, like the Pharisees or even his disciples. Jesus could be very critical with his disciples when uh, I think of, of when um, Peter... Uh, when Jesus said to Peter that, you know, he needed to go to the cross and suffer and die. And Peter said, no, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Uh, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You know, some of the harshest words that that Jesus spoke. And, uh, you know, how many people would say that to their Christian friend? Yeah, yeah get behind me, Satan. Um, uh, sometimes we do that jokingly, but... Uh, um, but that was, that was a pretty harsh word for Peter. It probably stopped him in his tracks, but Jesus wanted him to be sure that this was God's will and this was a part of his plan. Yeah. One thing Jesus had very little tolerance for was when, when Pharisees would approach a conversation with him in a disingenuous way. Um, yeah, try to they, trap when him. When they try to trap him. When they, when they come with a question that seems friendly but is actually there to like get him to say something that he's not supposed to. Jesus senses that right away and that's when he lashes out at them with, you brood of vipers. Yeah. Or, you know, you're like whitewashed tombs, hollow and dead on the inside. That's when he brings out his, his thunderbolt, you know, yeah. to really smack them down. But even, even though the, the, the Pharisees as a caste are very much against him, Jesus has friends in the Pharisee order. I mean, he's got Nicodemus as a, a person he has a, a wonderful conversation with. And Joseph of Arimathea was a Pharisee, and he's the guy who respected Jesus so much and had a, such a great conversation that he um, took his body and buried him in his own tomb. I mean, he, he had repeated conversations with these guys from this order that was totally against him because he could sense that even though they, they belonged to this order, when they approached him, they were doing so with a sincere heart to grow and learn what he had to say. Yeah. Um, another question, um, uh, are there specific biblical examples that instruct us how to speak truth in love? Hmm. And how can we apply them to, to some of these interactions? Yeah. Uh, so the, the passage that I read uh, from 1 Peter 3.15 is one example. 
Um, uh, there's another, you know, Jesus clearly teaches us he, to, to speak the truth in love. He tells us that. Um, and, uh, but there are other passages that, that encourage us to be kind and compassionate, to be um, understanding uh, for those that we talk with. The, there was an uh, entire chapter, I won't read the whole thing, but there's a, a, a portion of the scripture that, that uh, talks sort of about how we live in, a, in an increasingly um, evil, evil, perverse, world, perverse yeah. world, and that's First Peter chapter 2. Um, one of the verses in particular, um, in verse 17, um, after he talks about kind of all these corrupt influences in society, and after he kind of shares with the way, ways which they can defend themselves from all of this, he, he gives a simple, a simple fourfold instruction. He says, he says, show proper respect to everyone. So that's one command, right? No. That, that doesn't mean everyone in the church. That doesn't mean everyone who is a friend to you. That means everyone. No. This is this idea that you show respect because, some, because every other person, every other human being is created in the image of God and loved by him. Okay, so that you show proper respect to everyone. Next, love the brotherhood of believers. So this is an, a deeper level of commitment than just respect. The love is something that becomes that agape love, that self-sacrificing love for the brotherhood, meaning those who believe. So you have another command there. Fear God, right? So you, you ascribe to God the respect that, that is due to him. And then finally, honor the king or the emperor is what it says in other translations. So you have this sort of fourfold declaration that's, that shows how we can live uh, specific, that's very specific. It's like everyone is worthy of your respect. Those who are believers are worthy of your love. God is worthy of your fear and him alone is worthy of your fear. And the emperor is worthy of honor because of the position God has given him. Like if we all operated in that way, those four simple instructions would be a lot better place. Yes. Yeah. And so um, as we... Also, as we uh, apply, share our thoughts with other people, um, I would encourage people to do so prayerfully. Um, again, the Holy Spirit is working in us and through us and in, in the person that we're talking with. And so we recognize that, uh, that he is at work all around us. And um, we know that uh, he has a wonderful way of changing hearts. So trust, trust him to do his work. Mm -hmm. And if you have any questions, guess who's here to help? Yeah. Two pastors, right? Yeah, we love questions. Uh -huh, so. For sure. Um, not that we have all the answers, but we um, uh, just another. Well, we know who does. Yes, we know who <laughs> does. So, so right now I'm, I'm doing some uh, uh, personal instruction with a person that is thinking about being baptized, being a member of our church. And so as uh, he's going through material on his own, he's writing questions. Uh, one of the things that we love to do is uh, uh, to look up, uh, to answer the questions that people have. And again, that's not that we have the final answer, but we have, um, by God's grace, he's uh, given us wisdom in his Holy Spirit to share some of the thoughts that we've had through the experience that he's given us over the years. And he's given us some tools um, uh, as we've studied God's word in the seminary and, and thereafter um, uh, to share God's word of truth so that they can apply it, people can apply it in their own life yeah. and understand God better, his love and, and his grace. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, maybe let's share a personal experience where engaging someone in a loving dialogue led to greater understanding uh, between a Christian and a non-Christian. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, and you can think about, the listener can think about their own experiences. Um, you might have a time where you had a conversation. One of the, one of the things I was going to say is I don't have some rousing example where this, like, debaucherous person, you know, who hated God all of a sudden came up, had a conversation with me, and then they dropped to their knees and confessed to Jesus and became a Christian. But, but one of the things, I, and you've mentioned this too, is that you look at uh, a person's path to a Christian faith is not, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And it's one of those things that you might walk along that marathon road with them for a mile or two. Someone else might walk for three or four steps. Someone else might walk 20 miles with them or the whole way. But we all have um, the ability to step into and out of people's path towards Christ. Mm -hmm. And so the important thing to realize is it's not your responsibility to convert somebody. It's your responsibility by the power of the Holy Spirit to join somebody in that walk towards Jesus. So you want to you think about any interactions that you have as a walk towards Jesus. So one of the, I guess, personal experiences that I'll share is when I, before I became a pastor, I worked with some of the youth kids in my 
uh, church in Georgia. And there was a group of, of kids who were regular attenders, and one of them invited a, a buddy of his. And the kid had no interest in, in Christianity, no interest in confessing his faith, no interest in anything like that. But he was this guy's good friend, and we did some fun things. He had fun doing that, but he did not like the Bible study portion. Matter of fact, the first couple of times, he just got up and left the room. He didn't leave like his, his ride was the other guy, but he would just leave the room because he didn't want to have to sit and listen to it. By, by the time that I had left that church, he was a senior in high school, he decided to uh, make his Christian faith his own. Like He, he, he actually... Um, started to join in with the Bible studies a little bit. He begrudgingly came to a church service on Sunday. He started playing in the band, the contemporary worship band, because he was a drummer. Um, and he's he's a, he's a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs> he thought he was better than he <laughs> but, um But he started playing in the band, and that made him sit in sermons and made him listen to some things. And he never had this, like, aha moment where it all started, like, opening, you know, floodgates, but he started getting a little more and a little more engaged in it, and he was baptized as a as an 18-year-old kid before he went away to college, and I don't, I don't follow him that closely anymore, but I know through some other people that I'm, like, Facebook friends with that he still has a Christian faith. He's, uh, he's married, it makes me feel old. He's married yeah. now and has a kid. It's like, ugh, I'm old. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool thing to see that story that was a definitely a marathon story i'm not saying i had a major influence other than any anyone else who was at the church and interacting with him but it's just neat to see that i had some small part in some conversations that we had with the group at large that that led the holy spirit to to work on his heart yeah i think of a story when when i was in college uh um, from time to time we would have, it's another Mormon story, we used to have Mormon uh, um, missionaries that would come by our house and from time to time, and most people wouldn't give them the time of day, thanks, but no thanks, and shut the door. Um, but I said, well, if I, if I believe my faith, I need to, need to talk with them. And so I invited them in our house, and, and um, we had a conversation. And I think it's important to know, you know, I don't know if this story had a good outcome or not because I don't I didn't follow up with these these two people. Yeah. Um, but there there are sometimes in our life, like you said, we may walk with people for just a just a short way, and some people will. Um, the the reality is that some people will say, you know, that's not my faith, and walk in another direction. There are some people that will ask more questions and and be curious and want to know more and there are other people that we'll see come to faith and in any one of those three options can happen and but the reality is is we see the same thing happen in Jesus's day mm -hmm. there are those people that turned away those people that had questions wanted to know more those people that came to faith and um, again we leave the results up to the Holy Spirit and and uh, and knowing that the Holy Spirit will continue to work in their heart and also knowing that, that um, you know, one of the questions that people have, you know, what if somebody that lived on the other side of the world never had a chance to become a Christian? You know, our faith in God knows that God is a righteous God, a just God, mm -hmm. a loving God. And he would never knowingly condemn anyone um, uh, just because he wanted to. He, he, he knows what's in their heart. And he, he judges him accordingly. And, um, you know, for us, you know, well, wait a second, I'm not perfect. And, and no, we're not. No one is. Uh, but again, we're not saved by our works. Um, we're saved by faith. And, and that's the hope that we have. And, um, um, and so God is at work, again, all around us in wonderful ways. Um, but we, we may never know the outcome of, uh, of a person's faith, but he wants us to be faithful with what he's given us, uh, and in the time that we have. Yep. Saved by grace through faith. It's good Absolutely. All right. <clears throat> so um, um, another question, what are some potential barriers or challenges uh, to engaging people in a loving dialogue in this crazy and diverse world? One of the main sort of movements I've seen is this sort of um, cultural demonization against uh, and the sort of polarizing between parties and different belief systems that typically one side or another 
has has looked across the aisle and seen that that for the sake of standing firm on what they believe, they're going to sort of dehumanize and delegitimize the other group by trying to essentially say they're they're evil or they're wicked or cast some kind of value judgment against their their understanding. Um, and that, that ends all dialogue immediately because then you can have no good faith conversation with the person on the other side of the aisle because immediately when they approach, they're not talking with another person in good faith. They're talking to the embodiment of a demon, right? This yeah. enemy, this person who is against everything that I stand for. And that, that is a force that's at work in our society in a lot of ways, politically speaking, religiously speaking, culturally speaking, even generational um, that's that's growing and increasing is this sort of ceasing dialogue because of this perception that the other side is not worthy of our time. Yeah, and uh, one of the thoughts I, I I came up with was that you know when somebody goes into a dialogue with their guns blazing and I'm I'm going to win this argument no matter what. Um, I've even seen Christians do that, and to be honest, I don't want to talk with them. <laughs> um, uh, they have the idea that you need to think just like I think, and otherwise, um, you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong, mm -hmm. and and that's not a helpful dialogue no. either. It's not how Jesus did it. No, it's not how we should do it. No, not even how Paul or Peter or anybody did it. They didn't do it that way. Yeah. And um, so, if, uh, so a big part of that again is understanding our own heart that we we step into a dialogue and a. Uh, uh, in a Christ-like way, a winsome way, uh, 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 in an honest and hu humble way, and um, and then be prepared to share our faith, but also be prepared to listen and and just talk. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, a final question: How can Christians cultivate a genuine curiosity and interest in learning from others' perspectives, and yet stay grounded in their own faith? I think through practice. I think. Uh, sort of what I mentioned in the beginning, where you seek opportunities to uh, introduce yourself to other perspectives and other worldviews without allowing your own worldview to, to be corrupted. Um, this is where you have to talk, you have to think about spiritual maturity matters too, right? If you have uh, a friend who's a brand new Christian, you probably don't want to encourage them to go out and really put that faith to the test by hacking and slashing away at the Quran or something like that. But But for those who are who have had a, a life of faith and trust and are trying to grow in that faith, it's good for us to put our faith into, into challenging situations and see how God uses those situations to help our faith to grow. Yeah, yeah and it's also, it's also good to know when a conversation is helpful for us and when it's not. Sometimes we can step into uh, situations or conversations that aren't helpful and we need to know um, Either we need to be able to step away and say, I need to grow in my own faith before I can answer some of these questions. Yep. Um, I need to make sure that I, I'm staying grounded. Um, uh, there have been some people who have lost their faith because they've been in situations that, where they've just been overwhelmed with, uh, with questions or responses and, and they have no idea. And it's, as the Bible says, it can shipwreck their faith. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we want to, um, one of the things that we do here at King of Kings is we want people to be involved in small groups where they can study God's word and, and talk about their faith with other people and where they're in a safe place that they can continue to grow and learn. Yeah. And that's a very important thing to do for any Christian. Yeah, and have some fun too. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so a lot of things to be uh, aware of and to be as we share our faith with other people. Um, um, and yet, as we do that, again, we know that we're not alone. God goes with us. He is at work in us, around us, in the lives of other people. Mm -hmm. um, so that they, uh, our prayer is always that they'll come to know him and the love that he has for them. Yep. So, um, any, uh, that kind of brings us to a close of this first session. And, and ne next week we'll be uh, talking about sort of this mentality of how to have open conversations, standing on truth and sharing uh, conversations and love, but we're going to focus in on how we do that around topics related to science and faith. So hopefully you can be back for that next week on Thursday at 11 o'clock. Um, should be an interesting conversation. Well, let's close in prayer. And again, we thank you for being with us. And uh, uh, as a part of our prayer, we pray that God will work in you and through you as you talk with those around you as you share God's love with them. But let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for, um, for the faith that you've given us. We thank you for the relationship that you've brought us into by grace. And we thank you for helping us grow in our faith um, so that as we talk with those whom we love, whether they be family members or neighbors or people that we work with, uh, that we can be open and honest about sharing our faith. Uh, knowing that the Holy Spirit is not only working in us, but working in them and, and working in the situation as well. We ask, Lord, that uh, as you give us these opportunities that we can see you at work and join with you in that process, uh, we thank you for the privilege of doing so. And we ask, Lord, that you would just continue to strengthen our faith as we live in this world so that we might point others to you and give you glory. So we ask and we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and to that all God's people can say. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. Have a great day in the Lord, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Coffee and Clergy podcast. We're glad that you could join the conversation. Coffee and Clergy is a ministry of King of Kings Lutheran Church in Chesterfield, Missouri. You can catch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Thursday mornings, and we'll post the podcast on Fridays. For more information, check out our website at www.kokstl.org. Blessings on your day, and we'll see you next time.